Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Today's New Testament scripture reading comes from the book of Titus, chapter 3, verses 4 through 8, and may be found on page 969 in your pew Bible. But when the the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the water of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. This spirit he poured out on us, on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is sure. Because I know that you've been asking yourself all week, What does Christmas look like for the pastor when it falls on Sunday? Here's what my weekend will look like. Saturday night, I'm going to be in here with you, 6 o'clock. You and all the guests you're bringing from your neighborhood. We're going to all be here at 6 o'clock. And then I'm going to drive 45 minutes north on I-85 to meet my family at Waffle House before going to my daughter's house so that I can spend the night, be there in the morning to see what Santa Claus brought. Then I will come down 85, back here to lead worship at 11 o'clock, right here. You'll be here 11 o'clock. You'll bring friends and family to that service as well. But then I will go up I-85 again to Greenwood, South Carolina to meet the larger Hollingsworth family at my dad's house so we can do Christmas in Greenwood. Pray accordingly for my weekend. Others of you who make this trip up I-85 have probably noticed the billboards that start about commerce and go to the state line, and they're urging I-85 motorists to get saved. Now, the person who sponsors these billboards I am frankly impressed with in many ways Uh, He is making a serious financial commitment. He's showing obvious concern and a deep commitment. I admire what he's doing. And still, I don't think he and I share the same image about what it means to be saved. The billboards are mostly of an angry Jesus, and they have lots of fire. The colors are red and orange and black and fierce. And it seems to me that the leading theological message of those billboards is you need to get saved right now from the fires of hell. And yet, it seems to me that Scripture paints salvation with a different palette of colors. Did you hear the Scripture that was just read? But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of any good works of righteousness that we had done, 
but according to his mercy. In the early church, the doctrine was still kind of mushy. There was no canonized Bible. There were various teachers out trying to explain Christian beliefs. Not all teachers were authoritative or on point. And so many of the letters of the New Testament were written uh, to, to, to make sure that the doctrine stayed, uh, stayed in line, to get it, get it back on track. And, and Titus is one of these letters this referred to as a general epistle. That is, it was written not to ring out one particular church's issues, but to, to kind of explain what the Christian life looks like. How do Christians behave? What do Christians believe? And these letters were intended to be passed from church to church to kind of bring the doctrine uh, into order. And as to salvation... This is, what, this is what they wanted the early church to know about salvation. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Today we are exploring one of the most remarkable of all Christmas gifts that Jesus has come to save But what in the world do we mean? What does it mean? that Jesus has come to save. Best I can discern, the Bible talks of two salvations. The first is this inbreaking of the kingdom, this big wide love project that includes all of creation. At one point it says the rocks might even cry out. The angels came declaring, joy to the world, the Lord has come. This this kind of cosmic, dark and light, angels and principalities. And when we participate, when our collective acts of love are put together, we're helping bring the world back into alignment with God's hope. When we read to children at Garden Hills Elementary School or collect stocking caps for the people of Ukraine, we are participating in God's great salvation. Jesus came preaching the kingdom of God. Salvation is the reign of God's love in the world. And we're called to join in on that big project of what God is doing. To grab the rope at some place and pull. To operate in loving ways where we join God's project of saving the world through love. But the second way the Scriptures talk of salvation is quite personal. Not only is the world getting off track, but our lives keep veering out of the lane. We're built for loving and giving, friendship and generosity, building and blessing. But our terrible and incurable selfishness, what the Bible calls sin, keeps getting in the way. And the more we feed our selfishness, the further we get from God's shining hope and the restoration of our souls. Jesus came to save. The, the, the way he put, he said, 
I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. The way First Timothy talks about it is the life that really is life. And we don't earn it. We just acknowledge it. And by his mercy, Jesus saved us from a life of that kind of selfish living. So live like it. And that usually is marked by joy. Now, I know the verses about the wages of sin is death and all of that. And it's true. The cost of our betrayal is a deadening alienation from our relationships and purpose and hope. But in my reading, most of the weight of the salvation message of Scripture does not look like the fiery billboards on I-85. It looks like what we heard read today. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us. Not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to His mercy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And abundantly. But what does it look like? When a person is saved, well, I, every story is different. Every story is holy. Every story is personal. But I ran across a story recently. Have you read Matthew Perry's new memoir where he talks about his recent encounter with God's love? Now, if you know, if you own a television, you know that Matthew Perry played Chandler Bing on the long-running Friends uh, comedy. And if you've ever been, been stuck in line at a grocery store and forced to read the gossip magazine headlines, then you also know that Matthew Perry's had a long, sad struggle with substance abuse. Well, about two months ago, he wrote his memoir titled, Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. And in that story, he details his long battle with substances and addiction. Fourteen trips to rehab, 60-some-odd detoxes, 15 stomach surgeries. It's a miracle he's still alive. And he tells the story of when he hit the absolute bottom. And it's Christmas week, so I'm going to spare you the harrowing details of what that horror looked like. But when he got to the part where he was questioning whether or not he was dying, he started to pray. And now I'm quoting from his book. God, please help me, I whispered. Show me that you are here, God. Please help me. As I prayed, the little wave in the air transformed into a small golden light. As I kneeled, the light slowly began to get bigger and bigger until it was so big that it encompassed the entire room. It was like I was standing on the sun. 
I had stepped onto the surface of the sun. What was happening? Why was I starting to feel better? Why was I not terrified? The light engendered a feeling more perfect than the most perfect quantity of drugs I had ever taken. Feeling euphoric now, uh, I did get scared and I tried to shake it off, but there was no shaking this off. It was way, way bigger than me. My only choice was to surrender to it, which was not hard because it felt so good. The euphoria had begun at the top of my head and slowly seeped down through my entire body. I must have sat there for five, six, seven minutes filled with it. My blood hadn't been replaced with warm honey. I was warm honey. And for the first time in my life, I was in the presence of love and acceptance and filled with an overwhelming feeling that everything was going to be okay. I knew now that my prayer had been answered. I was in the presence of God. He is right. In the presence of God's love and acceptance, there is a surrender so life-changing that the writers of Scripture called it being saved. Many of you have your own story of your awareness that God's love included even you. And the way Titus tells about when that happens, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, He saved us, not because of any works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy. So we pull in here the Sunday before Christmas Day to be reminded of the Christmas miracle. Behind all the tinsel and office parties and scotch tape and batteries not included, there is a birth that changed the world. God sent his son that all might have life and have it abundantly. Two weeks ago, in the fullness, uh, before the fullness of my pastor rush that I was talking about, I went on a four-day golf junket with uh, some guys I play golf with here in town. Now, there are about 30 of us in my golf group, and it gets all mixed up week in and week out, so you get to know all 30 people, but you play with one little group at a time. And anyway, about four of the 30 or so folks I play with uh, went to Tampa in search of the golf weather that God intends. Now, I know this sounds like the opening of a joke, but all three of the other guys who went are Jewish. Three Jews and a Baptist preacher go into a pro shop. I know it. Well, one night uh, after we played golf, we went to an Italian restaurant. We sat outside. We've got pasta and red sauce at the table, and, and, and some at the table had sipped from another red, red sauce long enough 
for the discussion to have just taken some interesting turns, and it got to the Baptist preacher and Jesus. I've got on a golf sweater eating chicken piccata. I mean, this is not what I was expecting. One of them said, no offense, Doc, but you don't treat us like we're going to hell. So, huh? Well, we've had some bad Baptist experiences. Now, don't want you to think we're ganging up on you, but do you think we're going to hell? I'm, I'm trying to eat my chicken piccata. <laughs> I said, God made a covenant with the Hebrew people. God's never broken covenant. Never. Then why Jesus? No kidding. I have three Jewish friends at an Italian restaurant want me to talk about Jesus. I'm happy to do this, right? Now, I do hope you will forgive my oversimplification, but remember my context. I didn't do a full treatise and treatment of the doctrine of Jesus, but I answered them in golf terms. I said, I believe God disclosed God's will in Torah and the prophets. How, how it is that we are to live with each other. How do we are to live out the kingdom of God. But like trying to learn a golf swing from a golf magazine, we just kind of made a mess of it trying to figure it out from a book. So God sent Jesus. And God said, that's what I'm talking about. Live like that. Copy that golf swing. Live in love and relationship and generosity and selflessness and broad inclusion. Live in the way of Jesus and you will be saved. And I said, I challenge you, all three of you, to read the Gospels. Read the New Testament and tell me if that's not the perfect golf swing. I believe Jesus is the way of life abundant, and in him I have been saved. I said that most of us have come this Sunday before Christmas to be reminded of this remarkable gift of the Incarnation. But some of you in the room and perhaps online have never embraced the way of life that's found in the love of God in Christ. This way is so life-changing that the Bible writers trying to capture what it's, they said it's like being saved. And any of the ministers in this church would love to talk to you after this service or any time this week if you'd like to know more about what that life looks like. But the Christ child came to transform lives. And that gift is still available and abundant today. And the life Jesus modeled was so selfless. 
his love and embrace so broad, it was so pure that he was willing even to give up his life in the end to model what self, how far a selfless life could go. And the night before that most selfless act on the cross, he was eating with his disciples. And they couldn't have known all that was going on when he took the bread. And with them he said, after taking the bread and blessing it, he broke it. And he said to those disciples, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then in like manner he took the cup after supper saying, this is the new covenant in my blood poured out for many. And as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let us pray. Oh God, as we come to the table, we come in wide open amazement at the size of the love of Christ and that his broad acceptance included even us. So, in gratitude, we offer back our lives to him. And in humility, we partake of these elements. Search our heart and make us partners in your passion. We pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.